All right, welcome back everyone to the Madness and Grace podcast. We only have a few more episodes until 2024, which is just wild, Matt. I feel like the year flew by and we're wrapping up our first season. How do you feel about that? Yeah, it did seem to go a lot quicker, particularly since uh, this was this was your idea. And I was mm-hmm. kind of, eh, well, we'll see. Nobody will listen to it is what I said <laughs> at the beginning. So, But we've had a lot of good listeners and that's been great. And uh, mm-hmm. so, no, I really enjoyed it. It's actually been a little, thanks to you, a lot easier than I imagined it would be to do all this so we did uh, have our uh, ups and downs with trying to do it in a studio versus mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what people don't know is we record this just over zoom but, um, and that just makes it easier to record because we had a lot of problems with the studio we couldn't get the microphones to work right a lot more work goes into a podcast than you think but it's been really fun and i'm excited we've got some good ideas for next year some good guest ideas too so yeah all really exciting and you know we're wrapping up the end of the year and going over some different topics i wanted to talk about you know the way i always research what we should talk about sounds silly but I kind of see a lot of it on Instagram, a lot of it on TikTok and kind of like, you know, what's trending in the mental health sphere right now. And something that's new that people have been talking a lot about are, you know, what role genetics play in mental health and kind of that nature versus nurture debate, which is, you know, tale as old as time. People have talked about that forever, but specifically when it comes to mental health, I just think it's super interesting. And, you know, I know that certain mental health disorders are more likely to be linked to genetics. And Matt, I was wondering if you have any certain ones that you could touch on or just kind of your knowledge on what role it plays in mental health. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's a real common question, you know, because for instance, I think what really confuses a lot of people is the idea that, well, if if it's a if there's a biological aspect to this disorder, how does sitting down with somebody and talking about it uh, or talking right. about the symptoms or things like that, how can that make a difference? You can't really like talk to yourself out of a heart condition or talk to yourself out of liver cancer. So, but yeah, it, you know, I think you know I get asked that question all the time about you know is it nature or nurture? Is it biology or environment? And it's both, and it's both in all. Uh, disorders that exist, as you alluded to a minute ago, uh, for some disorders, it's much more heavily biological. Uh, mm-hmm. And for some disorders, it it can be biological or uh, environmental. So for instance, something like schizophrenia is heavily, heavily biological and has a very mm-hmm. small environmental component, whereas something like depression could go either way. You could have, obviously, you can be put into a situation of abuse, certain stressors that can can bring about depression. You also can be born with the profile, a biological profile of somebody who is going to have more of a vulnerability for depression. I think what's important for people to realize is that, you know, we use that term genetics all the time or genetic, you know, like your eye color is genetic. I mean, you got Mm -hmm. it from one of your parents. You know, when we're talking about mental health problems or mental disorders, we're really talking about things that are multi-genomic. I mean, there's, you know, it's going to take multiple, multiple genes, you know, so you're talking about a massive gene profile and everything has to be just a certain way and then certain environmental factors that will cause that to manifest. So it's not as simple as, well, this one little gene that was passed on from my mom gave me this. It's multi-genomic. And I think the other thing that people have to understand is it's not as simple as, well, I'm born and I have this gene. And so that means I'm going to get this disorder mm-hmm. because what happens is the the genes cause you to, you, they affect the way you perceive and sense and react to the environment. Mm-hmm. And then that affects how the environment 
response to you. And so it then is this combination of, you know, and so it, you know, if you, you could have that profile and be in a different set of circumstances and not manifest the illness. So it's always a combination of the two, not always equal. Uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, and I think that's just kind of confusing for people because they want it to be kind of more of that more simple, like, oh, well, I got this from my mom. You know, we recently did one of our educational programs on the neuroscience specifically behind addiction and how a lot of people are, you know, more predisposed to becoming an addict than others just based on their genes and their family. You know, that was very specific to addiction, but. I'm wondering if there's a way, you know, can you tell that, you know, mental health issues are going to be an issue for someone before they're even born? Like, can mental health issues be predicted, you know, just based off of genes? Well, you know, they they can to only in the sense that we know that people that have these disorders, particularly certain disorders in their family, have a much higher risk of having those disorders themselves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if somebody has a parent who has a mental disorder, then they are five times more likely than someone in the population to have a mental disorder than someone, I should say, they are more likely to have a mental disorder than someone in the population whose parents don't have a mental disorder. So they're five times more likely. So, you know, one of the things we do when we, we're doing a intake of somebody is we would ask them things like, you know, for your, your mother ever had any problems with mental health or addiction issues of your father, your, your brothers, your sisters, your aunts, your uncles, your grandparents, you want to kind of get those kind of first degree relative type stuff. And, you know, if you see mental health problems in there, then it's no shock that this person, but again, there's this weird interaction between the two, you know, I mean, so if, uh, if the kid, you know, if your, if your father has, is an, is a alcoholic and been involved in criminality and has antisocial personality disorder and ends up in prison and, and then you start showing the same behaviors. Well, Mm -hmm. is that because you have the genes of that individual in you, or is it because that individual raised you, you know? And so, so it, and it's the answer is probably both, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, it's never as simple as, well, your dad had X. So that means you have it because it's, it's since it's multi-genomic, it's, you know, it's much more complicated than that. As far as prediction goes, I mean, that, you know, that is something that's, you know, they're constantly working on trying to see if we can come up with a profile because you can predict certain genetic disorders, not mental disorders, but, um, and those tend to be pretty specific, but there's a lot of work going on. I mean, that is the hope that they could do in a sense a genetic screed and tell you, I think more likely than not, what they can tell you is they can give you a probability that you might show this or a probability that you might show that it's much more like cancer. You know, if you yeah. have cancer in your family, you're more likely to have cancer yourself. And so they can give you a sense of kind of that you have a greater probably or a greater vulnerability to cancer. I think we can kind of get to the same thing with depression. You could have a or schizophrenia or whatever, you can have a greater vulnerability, but whether they could ever predict it, that's a tough one. You know, I'm curious to know, you know, I mentioned before we started the podcast that addiction runs in my family pretty deep. And I myself have kind of, you know, as a young adult started to kind of do the work to make sure that you know, do my best to make sure that I don't fall into 
addiction myself because I know I'm more predisposed to it due to my genetics. And what are some things, you know, I know what I do, you know, I try to, you know, develop a healthy relationship to alcohol, try to develop, you know, kind of notice addictive traits in myself and, you know, tackle those head on. But what can someone who has mental illness in their family do to kind of the word prepare isn't right? You know, oh, I, I have a mother who was clinically depressed, or maybe you have suicide in your family, or, you know, what can someone do to kind of prep themselves for what they're genetically disposed to, if that makes sense? Yeah, no, I think that, you know, if you've got de- depression is a good example. I mean, what if you have yeah. depression that runs in your family, you know, your mother was depressed and she said that your grandmother was depressed and you've got an aunt who struggled with depression. Well, I mean, if you know you've got that, you know, there are things you can do. Obviously, you can first start with the simple things like your physical health. You know, you mm-hmm. can make sure that you're eating right and you're exercising. Those things do play a role. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You can uh, prepare your, you know, one of the problems with depression is that, you know, you can go into a really dark place very quickly when circumstances, you know, aren't so good. And so um, you can make sure that you have friends around you that, uh, and support systems around you that, uh, that are aware of your concern about depression and what's been in your family and that they're, that they're there for you to talk to Mm-hmm. when you're struggling and that they're also, they've been given permission to share with you like, Hey, I've been noticing this in you. Like you really been starting to isolate yourself. And then also I think, uh, why would you not go and build a relationship with a counselor or a therapist and say, mm-hmm. you know, I'm here right now because my mother and my grandmother and my aunt or whoever has struggled horribly with depression. And I can see those tendencies in myself. And mm-hmm. I want to make sure that I have a, educated outside third party that can can give me feedback to say mm-hmm. okay well you're moving in this direction or here's some skills to help you deal with that negative kind of thinking you know mm-hmm. and help prepare you uh, and help and really kind of you know I, I, again i would like you said i wouldn't say depression proof you but but make it easier for you to recognize when something like that's going to happen or to uh, give you skills to help you navigate that uh, more easily so you know it, it may sound strange when we're talking about that in a de- from a perspective of depression but if i were you know if you told me that your mother had breast cancer and your grandmother had breast cancer and your aunt had breast cancer literally mm-hmm. uh, they would do some genetic screens to get some feel for your vulnerability, but they also would tell you to have certain diets and to be exercising and get regular checkups and all these kind of things. I mean, there's actually, a, I won't mention her name, but there's actually a very famous actress whose breast cancer has run so heavily in her family that she actually had a double mastectomy before wow. she ever showed any signs of breast cancer because mm-hmm. she was a, she was virtually positive because she had the genetic predisposition that she was going to get it and she wasn't going to die young. So, I mean, you know, people can go to great extremes. So I think, you know, people do that all the time with physical illnesses, particularly cancer. I don't know why we don't do it with mental health things, but we tend to like to go and deny those. And I think you can do the same thing with substance use. You know, I think, you know, like you said, you you have to, the first thing is awareness and recognition. You can't just Mm -hmm. say, ah, well, that was my mom. Yeah. She drank too much. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, that mom raised you Mm -hmm. and taught you all her bad habits, just Mm -hmm. like we all do. But, mm-hmm. you know, and then she also gave you her genetics. And uh, so, you know, you're already a little behind the eight ball. But if mm-hmm. you know that, well, then you can absolutely. I mean, my father, alcoholism runs in my family. My father, you know, watched his father uh, drink. He had to go into bars and pull him out. You know, he, you know, he saw those kind of things happen. And he basically decided that he would just never drink. 
Yeah. That, that was something that we not do. And so yeah. that's the way he kind of stepped into that. But, you know, I think if you know where you are, you can, you can do things about it. And I think everyone's journey with that looks a lot different. You know, like I said, I, the way I'm coping with it is okay. Let me try and develop a healthy relationship right. with alcohol. Now for some people that would be, I just know I'm so genetically dis- predisposed. I'm never going to touch it. You know, you make that oath to yourself. So I think everyone's journey is different. And I like what you said about, you know, comparing it to a physical illness. You know, if you're predisposed to cancer, you're going to go in for regular checkups. You're not going to wait until you're on your deathbed with breast cancer to seek help. Um, So, you know, same thing goes for depression or addiction you know, it, it's a privilege to have mental health care, but if you can do it, treat it like a regular checkup, find someone right. to talk to you and treat it like a regular checkup and know that you could be heading down that genetic path if, you know, you don't do the work yourself. We so commonly go to doctors when we are to, you know, to a physician, when we are healthy, you know, for a, mm-hmm. a well check and things like that, people never even think about that mm-hmm. when it comes to mental health. So, yeah. you know, really what you're saying is take an inventory, look at the weaknesses that you have. Do you have, you know, unhealthy eating when you get emotional? Do you drink too much alcohol when you're in a bad situation? I mean, what are the, we all have bad coping skills. We all do, you know, take an inventory and then mm-hmm. go talk to somebody about it. You know, we already kind of touched on, you know, what the future might look like, you know, based on predicting and again, being predisposed to mental illness. But do you know if there are any, you know, new sort of treatment options that could be based on this? What have you heard that's kind of floating around out there? Well, I think one of the more exciting things that's happening that is uh, that is really becoming more common is, is, is kind of some pharmacogenetics where, well, basically what you're, you know, more and more physicians are, or, or, or psychiatrists particularly are mm-hmm. making available to their clients where they'll, they'll take a swab of the inside of their cheek, you know, get some, get some skin cells, uh, and, uh, send that off. And then they're able to look at the gen- genes of the individual and, and they have a, a good feeling for, well, with, if you've got, you know, for instance, your body doesn't make this enzyme. You can tell mm-hmm. that from your genes. Well, that means that these three antidepressants aren't going to work for you because you need mm-hmm. that enzyme or it yeah. will you make this enzyme, which means it breaks down this antidepressant. So there's no reason for you to take that. So it actually can give the doctor uh, really a head start on knowing what medications are going to be more likely to help you versus those that are less likely to help you. Uh, and it really could save, frankly, years uh, by getting getting you closer to the kind of right medication from the beginning. Because I mean, right now, you know, a lot of times you see numbers like, you know, a two and a half year trial and error before people feel like they have the right mix of medications and stuff. And so uh, with the pharmacogenetics, I mean, that's pretty exciting stuff. They're not predicting you know, a mental disorder, but they're able to say, well, this medication is going to be helpful. And I think ultimately what that's going to lead us to is, and and this is what most people think is kind of designer medications. And so mm-hmm. you go in, they take a swab, you know, they run your genetics uh, and you're there for, you know, whatever depression. And then what they'll be able to do is they'll be able to make an antidepressant that is specific for your genetic makeup. So it works 
this is the medication for depression that will work best for you. Uh, wow, it won't, cool. it probably wouldn't work for any other person because these are your genes, but the, and literally they will make it specific. It's a designer drug just for you. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you get a lot of specificity and in treatment. But again, not to say, you know, that therapy is bad. I mean, therapy is highly effective for particularly depression and anxiety disorders. Um, And what you find is when you scan people, say fMRI before they go through therapy, during and after, you actually find biological changes in their brain as a result of that. All you're doing is you're activating uh, or developing new pathways uh, mm-hmm. when you are, you know, coming up with these new skills and things like that. So, so really, that's a biological treatment in its own right. It just takes longer. Well, that's exciting. That's really cool. As a person who doesn't know the super scientific side of that, that's really cool. And also, as a person who has tried different anti-anxiety medicines and ones that didn't work for me, and then now I'm on one that works for me, you know, I could have saved that time. (laughs) Um, Oh, absolutely. And it is very much trial and error, you know, because what, you know, two people will come in, they can be the same age, the same gender, everything, right? have exactly the same symptoms. You give them both the same medication. It's a miracle for one person. It doesn't do anything for the other. Right. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. Hopefully those listening can relate to me that, you know, you're not the scientific one (laughs) in this conversation, but I feel like everyone listening has learned a lot. And obviously nature versus nurture will probably continue as the age old debate, (laughs) (laughs) but when really it's both. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Matt. Thank you everyone for listening. Of course, I want to plug um, the Hope and Healing Center because uh, we have so many great free available resources, lots of different things, that, whether you're looking to just learn more about different disorders, we have education programs, or if you need to talk to somebody right away, our Hope Line is available from 5 to 8 p.m. for free peer counseling over the phone. And we can't recommend that resource enough. So thank you everyone for listening. And thanks so much, Matt. Thank you, Emily.